Hey guys, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. Uh, this week it's a bit different. We got a guest on for the episode. I'd like to introduce you to Matt Barlow, a Hurricanes fan, and I'll let Matt take it away from here. Hey, my name is Matt. Uh, yes, I am a Hurricanes fan. I also do um, hockey analysis as well, statistical analysis for hockey. Um, sometimes Canes, sometimes other teams, but I do a lot of statistics. I'm a I'm a spreadsheet nerd, I guess, as a lot of people would say. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we figured we'd have Matt on to talk about the Hurricanes, if they've been a bit of a hot topic this season, more so than recent memory for sure. So I guess we should just start off with how the season has started. Uh, the Hurricanes got off to a really hot, hot start. They went, what was it, 5-0, I think? No, they went 4-0-1. They lost their first game in overtime to the Islanders, and then I think won the next four. Yeah. Yeah, they went 4 and one and then after that has not been as good. Yeah, I was going to say, so they're, right now they're sitting third in the Metro at the time recording this at 6-5-1, 13 points. They're two points behind both the Islanders and the Penguins. Um. From you, you've watched most of the game, or a decent amount of the games this year? No, I've watched all the, the Hurricanes games, oh. at least you know, at least like two periods of them. Yeah. Uh, ex- except for the last one. I will say the Bruins one. I had to cut that one off. It was just it was just too much for me. But other than that, I've watched a good portion of the games. Yeah, so from your point of view, obviously when you look at the numbers, the Hurricanes have been up there, or they're first in the league in both uh, shot differential and expected goals. Uh, what's it like watching the team? Is it exciting as the, the it looks on paper? Um, this year, definitely, yeah, because uh, the shots are a lot better. Um, they The play is pretty fast. It's kind of edge of your seat, back and forth. So, And they've, they've been winning, too, so which also kind of makes it a little bit more exciting where they haven't been in, in past years. But, yeah, it's definitely fun to watch in terms of if, if you enjoy hockey and a, a lot of back and forth, I guess not a lot of back and forth, but like to see a team kind of control and play fast hockey. The, the Canes are definitely fit that bill. Do you think anything's actually changed from Bill Peters? Um, or like <laughs> massive changes? I, I don't see any huge changes in tr- um maybe a little bit they seem to be driving the net a little bit more um the power play is still kind of awful though so i don't know if that was because rod brendamore took over he was the assistant coach so i don't know if he was doing the power play under peters and then he's still doing it now that he's a head coach because it's still awful <laughs> um, but but the play is I, i'd say it's gotten even better in terms of like winning the shot differential battle like they still are are just out shooting teams tremendously it's just goaltending still not as good and um and maybe the shot qualities it is a little bit better this year but not quite there so there are some improvements over peters but yeah uh, i guess i was gonna so we did a episode last week talking about mike babcock and what people think about him uh, switching to coaching still, what were your thoughts on Bill Peters? I know some people think he's a really good coach who just got unlucky. Others think that it's his system that always causes goalies to fail or just that shots aren't going in. What were your opinions watching him? I mean, I, I was a big Bill Peters defender because, you know, just from a statistical standpoint, you're out shooting the team. That's what you want to do. And he seemed to be able to get the team to do that on, on a regular basis, even with 
especially when he first started, the t- talent was just not near as good as it is in these past couple years in terms of defense, especially in puck moving. Um, I really enjoyed him. I, I don't, but a lot if a lot of the same complaints. If you follow Leafs fans, you see that they make about Babcock in terms of his player utilization, his line matching, how he puts people in and out of the lineup. Those are still a lot of the same complaints that come with Bill Peters too. Like he's a former Babcock assistant. He's kind of you know a poor man's version of Babcock. He's he's a good coach, but he's kind of got a, a lot of the same flaws as Babcock, in my opinion. Yes. More uh, theoretical. Peters took a lot of crap because of the terrible save percentage. Do you think a coach can actually have like a tangible influence on save percentage? Because that's something I'm really skeptical of. I don't know enough either to, either way to wait to weigh on this. Um, I know some people uh, like that are more coaching tactics based that I follow seem to think that Peter's system led to worse goaltending. I don't personally see it. I just, I just, I really don't know, to be honest on that. It's just, I don't think that is there to really test. What I'd like to do is, I think uh, Bench Bosses, I don't know if you know, they just came out with a website, like, tracking coaches. And I think trying to get some of that data, like, impact, trying to see the the statistics of teams under certain coaches and then doing correlations and stuff like that, I think will lead a lot to um, trying to, solve those issues or answer those questions if if they are able to be answered but as of right now i i don't see it i don't think so i think he just got unlucky i mean cam ward's bad goaltender yeah for sure and that was always the knock on paul maurice as well until last year was that he just never had a good goalie and some people would blame that on him and others people's wouldn't people wouldn't and then suddenly hellebuck turned into top 10 goalie in the league last year and suddenly all the problems were solved so yeah. People uh, really had it both ways with Peter, too, where it was like everyone thought Cam Ward was a terrible goalie, but yet people also thought that Bill Peters was making his goalies worse. And, what was that? Um, see, people just seem to have it both ways a lot of the times with Bill Peters, I thought, where Cam, like everyone admitted that Cam Ward was a terrible goalie, and then people would also turn around and say that Bill Peters was making his goalie wor- goalies worse. Yeah, I mean... I don't. I don't see where they're coming with with him making the goalies worse. I mean, there's only so much a coach can control, and I really just don't think they have that that level of control over their players. I mean, there's systems that you try to instill in a player, but when you're out there at five v five, you know, maybe on power play, PK is a little different because you do have a little bit more time. But at five v five, like. I I, th- I feel a lot of players are more going on instinct than than any system they're they're going with the skills that brought them there and while they you know try to do the system at the end of the day it, it's kind of a reflex instinct motor motor memory thing and i don't think the coach has near much control over his defense as some people think yeah for sure i was and i was just looking at the shot map uh for shots allowed at 5v5 last year for the canes and there is a, a red spot right to the right of the net, but the general slot is just completely blue. So it's like, I don't like even if the coach does have control, I don't know what more he could control other than just not having a bad goaltender or poor goaltending last year to do anything about it, really. 
Yeah, that, that spot you're talking about is the Justin Falk zone from last year. <laughs> he, he was not very good on that right side. But yeah, there, there's other, yeah, there's just not a whole lot of, I think, a coach can do to to uh, alleviate those problems. And, but like you said, they're keeping shots out of the slot. They're just really weak on that right side. So that probably led to a lot of goals. But I think that was more. Like I said, Justin Falk, if you break it down by Justin Falk versus Van Riemsdyk or, or Pesci on that right side, you, you'll see a, a world of difference. And he was a lot of the reason for that. For sure. Uh, I guess with going on to that then, um, so the Hurricanes are still in a bit of a tough spot with goaltending this year. It hasn't been stellar by any means. What do you think the plan should be for them going forward? Do you think when Darling gets back, they should ride him, or should they be looking at a different option for the future? Um, well, Darling played against Boston, and there's a little bit of rust. Two of the goals were kind of not his fault. A third one was absolutely his fault. And I don't know if that's just rust or whatever, but I think I think you're they should just kind of split. Right now, they're carrying three goalies with McElhaney, uh, Mrazek, and Darling. And for me, if it was me, I would just kind of split. Be like, hey, you're playing you know, these games, you're playing these games, and, and see if anyone actually wants to you know, perform to take, start taking the majority of the starts. Until then, I'd just start splitting them between them. Yeah, for sure. I would agree with that. I looked into... You know, at the end of the last season, when uh, the, there was comments about how they needed to add toughness to this team or whatever, I looked at the team and I just thought to myself, no, they just need league average goaltending to be near a playoff spot, if not right in one. And I don't know, I, think, I don't think you can give up on Darling this easy after you give him all that money. You don't have a choice. You really don't. But I, I don't think you should either. Like, yes, he had a poor year, but he also had... A couple years, granted, at much less games played, where he played very well. So I don't. Maybe it's just him getting the starting job, and it was too much for him last year. But hopefully, if they can get him into more 40, 40 games played or so this year with Marazic, who might be a better backup option than Cam Ward was last year, you can see a bit better results. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's going to be the plan. You know, you kind of with that contract, you can't give up on him quite yet like you said like he's he's the starter probably in in name right now but unless he starts picking it up you're going to see Mrazic still get a a lot more starts or maybe not McElhaney unless someone gets injured but you're going to see Mrazic get more starts than you probably would have back up unless Darling really you know takes the reins and starts playing well a lot of people thought Darling was a great move. I will say, I think Nick Mercandante, I may be pronouncing that wrong, did not like the Darling move, and so far he's been proven right. And I'm not a goalie expert, but watching Darling, like he, something seems awkward with him in the way he squares up. He looks he, uncomfortable. Yeah, the way he like will fight off like a high puck, you know, like he like kind of shoulders won't be even. He kind of goes up and just. Yeah, he looks uncomfortable. He looks awkward when he's when he's playing goalie. Yeah, I noticed that last year too when I watched him a little bit. Yeah, and see, I'd never watched him with Chicago, so I don't know if that's his style. It, it could be, it could not, but it, it it's not something you see a lot with with good goalies or even you know kind of average goalies. They're kind of square to the puck, even when they're bad. They're they're they've got good fundamentals, and he he's just a weird. 
weird goalie to watch, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely uh, interesting. They got McElhaney, too, so they must love weird goalies. Yeah. Well, that was more of a desperation pick. Uh, Darling was injured. We needed someone. We have uh, Nadel Jokovic down in the AHL, but I, I think they're just wanting to get him playing time, and that would be like if things all go wrong again, he's probably going to be plan B next year for, for taking the goalie position, I would think. Yeah, I guess I because I'm not a massive prospect guy, and I'm definitely not a goalie prospect guy. But with uh, Nadelkovich there, what what do you think his overall potential is? Like, do you think he's has he been showing signs of like a starter this year? He's definitely improved his play just from the little bit, you know, stat wise, which is not great with AHL stats. Um, and at the end of last year, he did he started getting better too. But he seems to have he's settled in now. He's kind of the undisputed starter down in the AHL. And the AHL team has been just phenomenal so far this year. I think they've lost once in overtime. Maybe they're like 7-0-1 last I checked. That was a couple days ago. But they've just been dominating down in the AHL, which a lot of that is from, you know, the talent, the draft talent we've we've acquired over the years. But he seems to be a part of that as well. So it looks like he's going to be good, but you never know. You know, with goalies, they – he could get to the NHL and be completely awful. Or he could be great for like one season like Cam Ward and then be awful the rest of his career. <laughs> you, just, you just don't know. Or we we don't know. There's not enough research yet. Yeah, goalies are, we've talked about this a lot, goalies are just kind of wild when you're trying to predict them a lot of the time. Like It, it is very tough to, to say exactly what you're going to get from anyone. I always laugh when people have goalies super high in prospect rankings because like, no one actually knows anything about junior goalies or AHL goalies or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like with goalies, just your variance is so high with any statistic that you you would you would have for them, especially down in the uh, you know major juniors NCAA. So yeah, anyone trying to predict goalies is just just hoping to to hit a lottery ticket so that they can brag about it later on Twitter. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, do you mean? I have a uh, trade to run by you since uh, the Nylander to the Kane stuff is picking up right now. Oh, go ahead. All right, so I think a lot of Leaf fans are going to be asking for either an Ajo swap, a Slavin swap, or a Hamilton swap. And I can't imagine either of those things happening. I'm going to guess you agree with that. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, I for one think Ajo is a better player than Nylander. Slavin's, you know, just... He's almost top 10 D, if not already there. I'll, I wouldn't put Nylander. I think Nylander's really good. I would not put him as top 10 at his position yet. I could be wrong, though. I'm not, an, I'm not a Leafs expert by any means. Um, so don't yell at me angry, Leafs fans. <laughs> and Ham, um, I mean, we just traded for him and did really well on that trade. To then again flip him for, for Nylander, I mean, obviously, if any of those trades were made, it'd be Nylander plus, but I just don't see anything from the Leafs that they could add to Nylander that would make it worthwhile for me. Yeah. I would argue him and Ajo are close enough. It's really not like both teams. You just kind of ask why. But uh, so my proposal would be Timu Taravainen and Adam Fox for ne- William Nylander. Um, I mean, I would have to think about that because cause Fox, you don't know, like, then that's risky for the for the Leafs as well because he, he can come out and be he's going to be a free agent 
basically he's gonna be like another Jimmy Vesey when he leaves college next year, I think. Oh, that so, was under the assumption the Leafs could get him signed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just throwing it out there in case anyone isn't familiar with the Adam Fox situation. Yeah. I mean, you would have to think about that as a Canes organization. I have to say. I mean, I, I like Tavo Teravine and and I think he's really great. Um, but I do think Nylander is a little bit better, or a little to a lot. I don't, I don't know exactly. I'm not putting a wide range on that. But I think he's a little bit better than, than Tavo. I think you have to think about that as a Canes. I don't know if I would take it, though, because he works. Tavo plays so well with Ajo. You can't discount chemistry and, and stuff like that. They are finished teammates. You know, there is some human element to the game as much as we want to reduce it to statistics. So I would think about it. I can't say definitely. I don't think it's an awful trade. I'll put it like that. Yeah, I think that's getting into the uh, ballpark. And not that I want to trade Nylander. I'd rather just the Leafs keep him. But uh, just in case some people don't know, Timo Tarabainen is like an elite defensive winger that could probably help most teams defensively more than most defensemen. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he's really good. He's, he's not that bad at offense either. He. He's he's a really good passer. He he plays well in the offensive zone. Um, so he 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 hasn't scored as much this year, but I'm hoping that changes. The Canes need it. Yeah, I guess from do you want to go to the? Uh, let's talk about how much fun the team's been in terms of uh, I guess on and off the ice this year. So earlier in the year, there's a video that went out right as Vancouver announced they were banning Fortnite on the road of. The Hurricanes traveling to Epic Games and playing Fortnite in the studios. And then there's the uh, much-talked-about post-game celebration of them, you know, skating up and slamming on the glass or whatever. Uh, what's your opinion on that? Um, I love the post-game celebration. I think it's great. It's, it's fan engagement, you know. I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of people going, like, act like you've been there before. I just, like, you've worked so hard to get to the NHL. You, you've spent you know, basically your entire life training or practicing, playing hockey at the expense of so much, you know, other things in your life. Like, have some fun. Like, if if, it, if you're winning and you're having fun, then go for it. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's where both Chase and I are at with that, too. I like seeing personality. I think it's fun seeing a bunch of the younger guys come in and show personality around the league. It's much more fun than just... You know, after a win, skating off, or even just, you know, when it comes to comments and stuff like that, getting better quotes, it's it's more exciting, just all around. Yeah, I need Carolina to be good this year more than ever, because I do not want to hear garbage takes about how their celebration cost them this year, or something <laughs> stupid like that. Yeah. I, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, you're going to see something, like, ridiculous, like Steve Simmons is going to come celebrations ruining teams, or something stupid article that he always does um so that would be nice too and and just in addition to Kane's winning and as far as the Fortnite thing i just think that was a really cool um like Fortnite is epic games i believe and epic games is based uh raleigh has a very large uh software technology uh park it's called research triangle park it's about 30 minutes away from give or take away from the arena. So that's just kind of more of a, a local kind of flavor. I mean, you know, while Fortnite's big in the news, it's also, you know, a local thing we can do. And I thought that was really fun too. Like 
Yeah, that was good too. I just say, just as the Fortnite video, like it was fun to watch as just like even an outsider, because I know yeah. Chase and I both play Fortnite, or we used to, maybe not as much anymore, and it was just kind of, you know, fun to see, you go, oh, professional athletes do the same thing we do with our spare time, uh, which was just, I don't know, just kind of nice to see, I guess. Yeah, like they're people too. Yeah, yeah, like that's what yeah, it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, really. I think a, a lot of, of analysis and stuff, people just kind of forget that the players are people. I think I think it would behoove a lot of people to remember that from time to time. Yeah, that's like the most classic quote coming out of an analytics person that gets hired by a team and like, what did you learn? It's like, oh, I really learned to appreciate the human element. Yeah, hear yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you know, like. We, we, we look at it as players, but ultimately it, it is a workspace. And sometimes you don't like working with people you have to work with. And I, I would think that goes in a lot with, with team building as well. And some decisions you may be like, well, why did they do this? Well, maybe player A just can't stand player B, which we saw earlier with the Senators. What was it, Mike Hoffman? Yeah, yeah. Hoffman and Carlson. Yeah, like yeah. imagine the Sens get fleeced in a Hoffman trade, but that doesn't break. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The Sharks traded them and then flipped them again to uh, Florida. Florida. So they had to put the clause in for yeah. the Carlson trade, so they wouldn't do the same thing. Yeah, um, I can switch. Uh, like we kind of touched on it earlier. You said you liked the trade, but the the Dougie Hamilton trade this summer and. Uh, you want to just talk about like the return and what it means for the team going forward and what what it means to their decor that was already very good and then you add Dougie Hamilton. Oh, I mean, I think I think it was a fantastic trade from the Hurricanes perspective. From Calgary, I don't really know what they were thinking unless it was like, you know, one of those personnel things where someone just hated Dougie Hamilton, which just seems weird. He seems like such the nicest guy. But but it's it's really great cuz now, I mean, with, with Dougie Hamilton, in my opinion, you get a bona fide, like top ten player in his position. I think he's one of the best defensemen in the league. It just it just elevates that defensive core from being good to 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 great. Like you can talk about the defensive core in the same conversation as like Nashville. What's another great one? I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank, but, but Santa Nashville. Santa Jose's got a good one. The other one. I mean, you can put Carolina now in the conversation with both those defensive cores and it's not, no one's laughing you out of the room if, if they know what they're talking about. You know, uh, they're just so deep. Like when, as bad as Justin Falk is, he still has some value and like he could be the fourth worst right defenseman on our team right now. And that's just, it's just tons of depth and not even mentioning what we have down in uh, Charlotte, the AHL team as well. Uh, like Hamilton just, makes turns your defensive core into uh, one of the best in the league or turn help turn the canes into one of the best in the league. It was a huge trade for the canes. For sure. I say he's definitely an impact maker and I I think the Canes definitely won the deal and I think that's I think they you could say they won the deal without even considering the Adam Fox return as well, the prospects they get back. Yeah. But I would I tried saying this a little early in the year. I still don't like it from Calgary's perspective. But in terms of trying to maybe shore up their depth, I guess I could kind of see it. But, but they gave up Furlan. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like Furlan was a, is another great depth player. Like it just, it just doesn't make sense for 
in my opinion, to, to shore up depth when you're giving away depth in a star player. It just it doesn't work for Calgary. I don't know how it works. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Yeah, like I just – because they got Lindholm and uh, Hannafin back. So, like, maybe you just try and have more for the second line in Lindholm? Or, like, I just – I don't know. Like, I kind of tried defending it, but I, I don't think anyone can say reasonably that Calgary won the trade. I just – I don't see a way – of arguing that side where you have a good reasoning for it by any means. Well, here's the thing with, if you just want to break it down by this point, like someone who's watched Hannafin for the past three years, like the way he's evolved as a player in the NHL, like Hannafin's ceiling is to be another Dougie Hamilton. So to, to give up an already established Dougie Hamilton for someone who could at best could potentially be, you know, Dougie Hamilton is, just doesn't make sense you're, you're losing so much there that whatever you gain over with Elias Lindholm over Furlan which I think Lindholm's a better player just does not make up for the difference and then to throw in Adam Fox on top of that which you know we may not sign so it may be lost calls but that's still you know more assets to give up to get less in return yeah for sure also um just because of scarcity at the position Hannafin, who's left-handed, and Hamilton is right-handed, and a left-handed Dougie Hamilton is not worth as much as a right-handed one. Yes, again, that's true. Right-handed defensemen are are so scarce. Um, Again, that's just adding even more to the fact that, like, if if Calgary doesn't make the playoffs this year, that trade may be one of the reasons Trelleving gets fired, I think. Yeah, and the way Mike Smith is playing, if they don't make a change there, there's a there's a chance that they don't uh, make the playoffs. Well, that that Pacific Division is just like hot garbage right now. Anyone can make it out of that division, I think, right now. So he could get lucky because no one's really there. Yeah, there's no. I, I like the Sharks in that they've had really good underlying numbers so far. And just, I mean, adding in Eric Carlson in the offseason is going to help your team. But, I mean, even that, like, they got an aging core and they got Martin Jones and Ned. I'm not the biggest fan of Martin Jones in terms of yeah, stellar like, goaltending. Yeah, and then, like, Gibson's will have a broken back by the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just say Anaheim's been absolutely awful, aside from Gibson, obviously. His purest form, just just getting caved in in his own zone, but somehow still winning games. Like, I don't I don't know how Randy Carlisle is successful as a coach. Like, he's just been – like, every team he has just always gets just caved in in shots, and he somehow finds a way to win. <laughs> I would argue I could probably win games in the NHL if I had John Gibson-level goaltending. A few games. Anyway. Yeah, like, like <laughs> as a coach, I'd probably, probably win a Jack Adams if I had John Gibson playing like this for a full season. Say John Gibson should probably win the Hart Trophy this year. That's uh, that's going to be my slant on it for right now. I would definitely agree with that. I was on that train last year. Yeah, I would say he was definitely him and Bobrovsky were definitely up there. Um, yeah, I, I picked the. I think I picked the Ducks to make the Western Conference Finals in my pick thing just on John Gibson, and then they crapped the bed. I think I had them in the Western Conference Finals as well. Mostly because of Gibson, and also because the rest of the Pacific just looked bad. But yeah, other than and then Vegas magically. Yeah, I just say I was just counting on Vegas to stop, and they finally did in the Stanley Cup Finals. But I mean, good for them for getting there. Um, 
like a couple, one or two more things before we wrap it up here. And I apologize to people listening if this is a little choppy because we've had some internet problems. But I, I was going to ask you about Justin Falk. And I think some people were surprised that he was still on the team uh, at the beginning of the year. Do you think we see him get moved this year? And if so, how much value do you think he has? And is he better or worse than the, val- the perceived value you think is out there? Um, okay, I'll start with the perceived value. I think his perceived value is about where it needs to be. I think last year kind of really it, it tanked his stock a lot with a lot of people. In terms of getting traded, we do we have like so much depth on right D. If you can trade him and then somehow package that into a deal to bring in another offensive player to help our goal scoring, I think it happens. Some people have said he has a modified no trade clause. Uh, I haven't seen anything about that on Cap Friendly. It's it's kind of up in the air. I haven't got anything definite about it. So if he does, that's going to throw a wrench into things. Cap Friendly has him as a 15 team one right now. Oh, 15? Okay. Yeah. It was kind of up in the air like during the off season, like. People were saying, oh, he's got a modified no-trade clause, but it wasn't mentioned. I did some actual digging because I was like, I don't think that's true. And I did some actual digging in the press release and cap-friendly. Nothing released it, but if what you said probably is is correct, that there is a 15. Yeah, team. I guess that would that would uh, throw a bit of a thing into it. I'm just trying to think of like destinations. The Leafs have been the obvious topic for a couple months now, but... Maybe. I mean, maybe if you send him to the Leafs for like someone like Kapanen, I guess. I don't know if that even works for the Leafs. I don't know too much. I'd take that advice uh, the Leafs. Is Falk the type of D that the Leafs need? I get it. If they just need warm bodies who can move the puck. I guess right so, side. yeah. Yeah, I think he's a little bit better than, than Hainsey, or he's a little bit faster. His defense is not that great, but neither is Zaitsev, I guess. Yeah. Again, I mean, moving the puck gives you an advantage over Zaitsev and Hainsey, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is someone who's loved Hainsey. Like, he, when he was with Carolina, he was a solid defenseman. And I was hoping he'd do well with the Leafs, but it just, I think age has finally caught up with him. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else? I guess we'll, last thing, we'll wrap it up after this. Uh, so, everyone knows about Svechnikov. Who are some other players to watch, you think, for the Hurricanes this year? If you're tuned into a Hurricane game, what number or player should you be keeping your eyes on? That's a good question. Obviously, Jacob Slavin. I don't know his number off the top of my head, but like he's a wizard in the defensive zone. He's always like he looks like he's out of position, but he'll like flail back with and, and create or execute the, the perfect poke check to stop a two on one. And, and just just watch what he does. His skating, his passing. He's he's just great. Another person I like is. I'm a big fan of Jordan Stahl, just the way he, he protects the puck. He sets up a cycle. Um, he's really good defensively. It's it's a lot of uh, kind of low-key stuff, but I think he's underrated as a center just because the offensive stats haven't been there. But he's he's just a great possession uh, player, and is just one of the better two-way centers in the league. So those those would be my top two. If if you had to choose, but definitely Slavin, like he's he's going to be a top ten defenseman if he's not already. I think he already is. Yeah, a lot of people say that as well. I I, I won't say that, so I don't seem like Homerish, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but he's he's probably will 
He probably will be by the end of the year. He'll probably be a top 10 defenseman. Yeah, for sure. To the stall point, I mean, I never even, even like, to the point of last year even, I thought he was just kind of on a bad contract. And then I looked at it, and I looked at his numbers, and I was like, oh, he's actually a really good player. He's one of the more underrated players in the entire league, I think. Definitely. Yeah, he, he's just a great, like, possession player. Um, I guess kind of similar to, like, the Nino Niederreiter style where they, they got just really kind of control play so much when they're on the ice. They may not have as many points or goals to make it, you know, easily noticeable what they do. But when they're on the ice, if you look at, you know, the courses and expected goals and, and stuff like that, it's just how much they tilt the ice in their favor. I mean, he turned Andrej Nestrashill and Joachim Nordstrom into like a scoring line for like two months, three years ago. So that, so that tells you how good he is. And <laughs> Nestrashill's not even in the league anymore. And, and Nordstrom hasn't scored as many goals that he did with Jordan Stahl in like the next three years combined. So for sure, a lot of love for Jordan Stahl here. Uh, do you mean Slavin do? I just uh, there was an article I saw talking about how and or numbers don't do Jacob Slavin justice, and I thought that was the weirdest thing in the world since analytics people just love him. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that article. <laughs> you may need to forward it to me, but that like like I said, some of the stuff like the crazy plays and poke checks you'll do sometimes. Yeah, the numbers don't catch that, but the numbers also <laughs> really say that he's a ridiculously amazing player like war you know Corsi, expected goals relative teammate all those just really say he's a great player yeah there's really no argument if you're using stats against him of being a great defenseman and he never takes penalties yeah yeah him and pesci are also well pesci not so much this year but we're both really good at that when they were a pairing about not taking penalties I think that's probably good, about 35 minutes or so. Uh, plug some stuff. Where can people find you or your work? Uh, you can catch my work at barlowanalytics.com. I write a lot of tutorials for people who want to get into data analysis that are focused to programming, Tableau, um, database. I'm, I'm kind of a database guy, SQL. That's, that's what I do. You can also find... My game predictions and season point predictions and playoff probabilities at Barlow Analytic on Twitter. No S, because someone already had Barlow Analytics. <laughs> and and I, I post uh, game recaps and, like I said, playoff probabilities, point, point projections, and I predict each game during the morning, you know, win probability of each team. The model's not doing so hot right now, but hopefully it'll it'll feed in some more data. <laughs> we'll start getting better. Um, those are my two main two main venues right now. For sure, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll make sure to tag you on Twitter when this podcast comes out. You can check them out on Twitter. And uh, thanks for tuning in, Matt. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Oh uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. Always always love to talk hockey, so it's always nice. Yeah, of course. Uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Huge thanks to Matt for joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, if you guys liked it, let us know. If there's anyone else you want to hear on the podcast, give us a shout. You can find my work at NHL Sends and Stuff on Twitter. You can find Chase at CMHockey66. Uh, do you have any articles coming out, Chase? 
Uh, hopefully soon, but nothing immediate. Yeah, you can keep an eye on Twitter. I'm probably going to... I've been posting a bit more lately. I've been doing an article a week or so, which has been fun. So I, I hope to continue that. Uh, you can find all my stuff at lastwordonhockey.com. And uh, until next, guy, next week, guys, have a good one. We'll see you guys later.